Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African-Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions, and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval, and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African-Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy. The views expressed in the following program are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the views of Saga 960 AM or its management. Seeking truth and justice in a battleground of deception and corruption, this is The Richard Serrett Show. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell, I'm as bad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! We must not allow ourselves to be intimidated. Our task is not only to win the battle, but to win the war. Peter, we're not in Kansas anymore. Take a look at this country through her eyes if you really want to see something. This is your mad prophet of the airwaves, and welcome once again to Radio Free Canada News, Notes, and Opinions from the Underground for Friday, October the 14th in the year of our Lord 2022. It's been, what, four or five days since Janine Smith, one of Pfizer's directors, admitted before a European parliamentary hearing that Pfizer doesn't know if their vaccine reduces transmission of the SARS-CoV-2 virus. And to date, I've not seen a single newspaper in this country mention it. I've not heard one public health official acknowledge this bombshell testimony. Not a single elected official in this country has brought it up in the House of Commons or any provincial legislature. Pfizer admits they didn't test to see if the vaccine reduces transmission. And yet, the CEO of Pfizer, Albert Bourla, who incidentally is refusing to testify before the European Parliament, said this not too long ago. The goal is to prevent the sickness, and that will maximize your chances to do well, and that will maximize the chances of people that you love not to get infected. You vaccinate not only for yourself, you vaccinate also to protect society, and particularly to protect those that you love the most, because they are the ones that you are together. So let's be very clear. When he said that, he knew it was a lie. He knew the vaccine had not been tested prior to it being released into the market to see if it would reduce transmission. In fact, we knew this from the 
data dumps that Pfizer was compelled to issue. We knew this. So Albert Bourla lied. And not a little white lie. Like, oh, no, dear, that dress doesn't make you look fat. Or, I did not have sex with that woman. Not that kind of a lie. A lie that cost lives. That's right. He told people they should take the vaccine in order to protect the people around them, their loved ones, their grandmother. Because if you take the COVID vaccine, it will prevent you from spreading it to others. And of course, TV doctors and countless public health officials spread this lie. Celebrities spread this lie. Our elected officials spread this lie. And then they repeated this lie, rinse and repeat. And hundreds of millions of people around the world believed the lie. They took the vaccine even though they were at very low risk. Children were told they'd be superheroes. Do you remember that? That appallingly bad campaign? You'll be superheroes if you take the vaccine in order to stop transmission. Children. People died. Children died. How many? We don't know. But people died as a result of this lie. A director of Pfizer just admitted they didn't test the vaccine to see if it would reduce transmission. Ha! She smirked during her testimony. Ha! How could we, silly people? We had to move at the speed of science. Five days and nothing from our lamestream media. People died as a result of this lie. Mark Dolan is a British TV host and commentator on GBN. And I think he states the severity and the grotesqueness of this lie better than anyone I've heard to date. Have a listen. Joe Biden called it a pandemic of the unvaccinated. Andrew Neal, formerly of this parish, spoke of punishing the unvaccinated. Jeremy Vine spoke figuratively of holding people down and forcibly jabbing them. Oddly, the smiling fascist Justin Trudeau of Canada called the unvaccinated racist. Quite a leap, that one, and a bit rich from a man famous for blackface. But as a spokesperson from Pfizer admitted in the Dutch Parliament this week, the vaccine was never tested for transmission. In other words, stopping you giving COVID to others. So what the authorities told us about stopping the spread with a jab was a total lie. Take it to protect granny, a historic falsehood. While safe for most, though we can't be sure, we don't have long-term data, large numbers of people around the world have suffered severe side effects, and some, including former BBC presenter Lisa Shaw, have died. Uh, Lisa, a healthy woman in her 40s, here pictured with her husband Gareth. She statistically did not need the jab, but based upon the idea that somehow she was helping others, she took one for the team. She's gone now, her husband a widower, her young son without his mummy. The conspiracy theorists, the tin hat brigade, the so-called anti-vaxxers, who were no such thing but simply wanted personal choice, were right all along. For the record, I'm triple jabbed, but did I need it? You tell me. We will never forget the politicians, the corporations and the high profile celebrities and TV doctors who needlessly coerced us into having the vaccine. They've got blood on their hands. Never forgive, never forget and never again. Mark Dolan, GBN. Well said. So Alex Jones was just ordered to pay nearly a billion dollars 
for uttering words. Words. Albert Bourla told a lie. Public health officials repeated the lie. Elected officials repeated the lie. Our governments, hospitals, federally and provincially regulated employees were coerced. Millions of people coerced into getting the vaccine based on this lie. People have been severely injured. Some have died. And yet, and yet, from our mainstream media, from our elected officials, silence. Where is the justice? Not even an acknowledgement or an apology. Silence. Actually worse than silence because there are still too many out there still repeating the lie. Get vaccinated. Get boosted. Never again, says Mark Dolan. That's naive. Of course it will happen again. It's happening now. The lie persists. The coercion continues. I will not forget. Now, because I'm a Christian, I'm supposed to forgive. But I don't think I'm required to forgive until there's an admission of guilt. How can I forgive someone before they ask for forgiveness? So until that time, I won't forgive. I won't forget. But I won't say never again, because that would be naive. That would be foolishly naive. And here's something to think about. There will be experts who will come forward, so-called experts, some public health officials, politicians, maybe some celebrities. They'll come forward and they'll say, this is horrible. I feel horrible. I was lied to. I've been hoodwinked. If only I knew that I was being lied to and that the vaccines didn't reduce transmission, I never would have treated the unvaccinated so horribly. That rings hollow in most cases because these will be the same people who labeled anyone who tried to wake them up. They labeled them as tinfoil hat-wearing conspiracy theorists or they cheered when actual scientists and doctors who tried to post actual data from Pfizer trials, which demonstrated they didn't test to see if the vaccine reduced transmission, they cheered when these people were deplatformed or censored. So you can't offer, on the one hand, a mea culpa and then claim, I didn't know. I was tricked. I was fooled. No. You were willfully blind. And as we head into the fall and winter, public health is gearing up to spread more fear and push vaccines. Can you believe it? Can you believe it in the face of the admission from a Pfizer director testifying before a European parliamentary hearing? Dr. Kieran Moore says the uptake for fourth doses by Ontarians aged 70 and older is only around 16 percent. And he calls that unacceptable. Excuse me? You're calling people who are understandably hesitant now about this vaccine unacceptable? It seems obvious very few want anything to do with the booster. So, given that, anticipate another season of fear-mongering and coercion. Get ready for it. Get ready. All right, it's Friday. We have a, uh, a brand new show here on Saga 960. Mondays at 3 p.m. It's called Consignment Heroes. Everyone has lots of stuff, right? Everyone has stuff. Uh, too much stuff, whether it's an item... Maybe their aunt left them or a collection. Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African-Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? 
President Biden's administration is making major decisions and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African-Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy. Maybe their husband collected something over the last 40 years that's taken over the basement in the garage. You've had to rent a locker for your stuff. So consignment heroes uh, is for anyone who has stuff that they're not using anymore and they want to know what it's worth. If it's worth anything, how can they sell it? And Paul Kenny will be here, the uh, former star of Storage Wars Canada is the host of Consignment Heroes, and he'll share stories about the stuff he's come across in decades in the stuff business. Consignment Heroes coming uh, to Saga 960 Mondays at 3 p.m. Paul Kenny will be here. Last order of business. Greg Carrasco will be here in the second hour, host of the Greg Carrasco Show. Saturday mornings, 8 to 11 here on Saga 960. We call it There's Something Happening Here. The uh, musical talent known as Five Times August, Brad Skistimus, will also be here on the second hour. He just released his debut album. And he's only, I think, one of a, a handful of musicians who've actually stood up and spoken out about the mandates and recorded almost an entire, well, I would say the entire album dedicated to sort of protesting what has happened in the last two and a half, three years. Rachel Emanuel from The Counter Signal will be here second hour to discuss day two of the Emergencies Act inquiry. The Limridler will be here along with your chance to win a pair of tickets to the next Mississauga Steelheads home game. The Sofa Cinephile will look at the very scary 1985 film, Fright Night. Remember that? Tom Korski from Blacklock's Reporter will be here with a couple of stories, including it turns out Christian Freeland was exaggerating when uh, she claimed that uh, there was huge economic losses due to the protest. She greatly inflated the numbers. Surprise, surprise. But first, Toronto mayoral candidate Blake Acton has been excluded from the Toronto Region Board of Trade mayoral candidates debate because apparently he's not diverse enough. He's next. The Richard Serrett Show, off and running for Friday, October the 14th. Facta non verba. We're back as The Richard Serrett Show continues on News Talk Saga 960 AM. Blake Acton is a 30-year veteran of the Toronto Police Service. He's a dad. He's an entrepreneur. He's thrown his hat into the ring for mayor and uh, was hoping to take uh, part in the Toronto Region Board of Trade mayoral candidates debate. But he's been excluded and he's here to tell us why. Blake, how are you? Welcome back. Thank you. Thank you for having me. All right. So you uh, you tweeted this out today. You got a uh, you received a letter from the uh, Toronto Region Board of Trade. And um, what did it say? Uh, well, I, I don't have the letter with me. I think do you have it there with you. Oh, I do. But I just uh, yeah, not word for word, but just basically why did they tell you you weren't well, being included? 
You know, I wasn't diverse enough. And uh, in the, it, it basically said I wasn't uh, diverse enough and I didn't have uh, the, the, the prerequisite to go on there. Uh, and do you, do you know what that means? Not diverse enough? Is it your, the color of your skin? Is it? Um... Well, we wrote letters. I wrote letters. Uh, I've had about 50 people from the city and the community write letters. What, what does that mean? I'm not diverse enough. I don't understand. Help me understand this. You know, right. I was a police officer for 30 years. My father was a firefighter for, for 30 years. My grandfather's with the TTC. I mean, uh, we're pretty diverse. Uh, uh, you know, I adopted a child from the, the, the uh, Children's Aid from the Middle East. Uh, you know, what more, what more do uh, I, I'm part of the LGBT community? What more do they want? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Now, they did invite, uh, was it a total of four candidates uh, plus Mayor Tory, or is it three plus Tory? There's, anyway, four, four or five four. people, right? Yeah, five of them. Right. And uh, there are 31 running. So I guess, you know, it would be a little unwieldy to have 31 people on the stage, but perhaps, I don't know, they could have broken it up over several dates and had, um, you know, no, several smaller groups. Absolutely. Yeah, it, it's it's absolutely appalling and ridiculous why I was not part of the debate. Uh, and the the other, uh, well, I had the letter here in front of me. Let me just read this quickly. Uh, Hi, Blake. Congratulations on throwing your hat in the ring to run for mayor. You did hear correctly. The Toronto Region Board of Trade, an independent organization, is organizing a short debate for our members that features the incumbent and four mayoral candidates on October 17th. Unfortunately, those candidates have already been selected. While there were over 30 impressive candidates, regretfully, we could not, we could only choose four. We can only choose four. We used diversity of perspectives and of backgrounds as our criterion for selection so that our panel could reflect the diversity of our great city. We hope you understand. Thank you and your for your interest and wishing you a great campaign Thank you, uh, Mallory. Uh, diversity of perspectives. Do we? Yeah. Do you happen to know the other candidates and what their perspectives are on things like I don't know, uh, crime, homelessness, taxes? Yeah, nothing, nothing. I don't know anything about the other candidates, and um, other than uh, quite obvious, the the color of their skin. Okay, so there were a, a number of visible minorities in, included. Right. And, but you were excluded, you, you think, because you're white. Uh, well, I, unless, I, you know, I'd like an explanation on, on why I wasn't. I, 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 I suit the qualifications. I mean, a police officer for 30 years, got lots of, I've been in all my life in Toronto. So what, 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 uh, what, what don't I have? Right, right. Have you been invited to other mayoral candidate debates? No, there has been no other uh, ones. Nothing? Nothing. There's one on Monday now. Uh, the, well, this is the one, but the one uh, just uh, yesterday, uh, there was that. that. Those are the only two that are, are going to be televised. My word. And what happened what? yesterday? Pardon did me? You, there was, did you say there was one yesterday? Yeah, well, it was on TV. Yeah, that uh, the one from the, uh, the Seniors uh, Association. Right. Were you included in that? No, I wasn't included in that one either. Did you get an explanation as to why? I wasn't even, and I wasn't even. Uh, there was there was no invitation or, or anything. They just uh, excluded me. Unbelievable. There's an agenda out there. There's. It's quite obvious. There's an agenda out there, and they want to 
the mainstream media want to keep Blake acting quiet because I'm uh, I'm the closest one running and and could could win the election, uh, but they want to keep they want to shut me down. All right. Well, um, I'm, this is terrible. I'm sorry to hear about this. Of course, you're always welcome on this program. And we wow. should direct people to uh, the website, voteacton.com, voteacton.com. Blake Acton, 30-year veteran of the Toronto Police Service, uh, adopted a, a child from the Middle East, part of the LGBTQ community, but uh, not welcome at the Toronto Region Board of Trade because he's not diverse enough. Uh, Blake, um, thanks so much for joining us. People are calling in and they're saying, it's, what kind of democracy do we have here? This is like, they're not giving the people a chance to vote for the, for uh, an individual. And it's just, it's all I want is a fair, fair shake at, at uh, running for mayor, but it doesn't seem like they're, they, uh, they want that. So it, it's quite upsetting. All right. Well, well, hopefully we can get you on uh, one more time before the uh, election on the 24th, but uh, I'll let you go to keep uh, knocking on some doors and again, voteacton.com. Thank you, Blake. Thank you. All right. When we come back, Christian Freeland apparently inflated the economic losses due to the protest. Oh, there's a shocker. Tom Korski, managing editor at Black Box Reporter, is next. Stay with us. Let's get back at it on Newstalk Saga 960 AM. It's the Richard Serra Show. All right. Welcome back. Day two of the Emergency Act Inquiry. And of course, one of the uh, major justifications for invoking the Emergencies Act was in uh, Minister Christia Freeland's own words that uh, it would be catastrophic economic losses if uh, we don't invoke the Emergency Act and, and, and get rid of these protesters. Move them aside. Economic, catastrophic economic losses. Well, that argument has completely co- collapsed like so many others. She grossly infl- inflated the... Uh, the losses due to the protest. Here with more, Tom Korski, managing editor at Blacklock's Reporter. Hey, Tom, how are you? I'm well, thank you, Richard. Uh, so these are coming from uh, internal documents, um, and, and and what do they show? The Department of Transport internal documents. What do they show about the actual losses during the uh, protest? Department of Transport. Uh, this was about the Ambassador Bridge shutoff at uh, Windsor, Detroit. Which, by the way, was resolved uh, peacefully by police before cabinet ever invoked the Emergencies Act. That's an important distinction. And in the uh, analysis by Department of Transport, they say, well, on the worst case scenario, the the, the quote unquote extreme case, that uh, bridge shutdown cost about $160 million a day in lost commerce, $160 million. We think, says Transport Canada staff, we think maybe it was came in at about actual losses of about $45 million. Not too much, though, because there are other bridge crossings, aren't there? It's Sarnia, Queenston, Fort Erie. There's lots of other places to move auto parts. What did Minister Freeland do? She didn't use $45 million or $161 million a day. She came up with her own figure, $390 million, which is, is tenfold. Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African-Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions, and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval, and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African-Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. 
The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy. Curiosity Stream is the streaming service for people who want to know more. And now check out Curiosity's new series, The Real Wild West. Rolling Stone magazine says it's the history of the West they usually don't teach you. The mythology of the West left out a lot of the people. People said they'd never seen a black cowboy. This is the history book, but did you know about these other facts? Watch The Real Wild West now on Curiosity Stream. With monthly, annual, and bundled plans, find the one that works for you at curiositystream.com. The actual estimate of Where the did Department she get that of Transport. Figure? Where did she get that oh, That's figure? an interesting. Yeah, that's called arithmetic. What, what they did was <laughs> they took the entire commerce that, that crossed the Ambassador Bridge the previous year and divided it by 365 days. Well, is it, that's neat math, but that's not an audit, and it's not real economic damage. They made it up, Richard. Well, she said she had a figure in her head when she was grilled during a parliamentary hearing. How much, you know, give us the figure. What, what kind of economic losses are we looking at? I have a figure in my head. That, that was, was her response. That's yeah. absolutely right. When questioned by New Democrat MP Matt Green from Hamilton. And she said, well, I don't have figures right here. I, I carry them around in my head. Well, I know one f- figure she was carrying around her, in her head, and it was nine tenfold the worst case scenario that was put forward by uh, staff and internal memos. Richard, they have a problem. The economic argument was always their weakest argument, but it was the only argument they had. The implication is going forward, any future cabinet, every time there's a strike at the mill or environmentalists shut down a pipeline or indigenous protesters block a rail line, start freezing bank accounts. The economic argument was a disaster for cabinet and now we can see they didn't even have that. They even made that up. Oh, dear. <laughs> Not looking good. Not looking good. Uh, and, and yet, you know, how, how, how many uh, billions, perhaps, I've heard, billions that did the uh, ArriveCan app cost in lost business? I mean, oh, um, that, oh, that, that comes up. Absolutely. Oh, no. Yeah. Border City MPs have said, how, how can you begin to calculate the d- uh, downturn in traffic from Americans who are the mainstay of tourism in our country who arrived at the, at the land crossing and said, I have to do what? I have to fill out what and send it where? Are you kidding me? Let's go home. Right. So, again, self-inflicted. Not the truckers. The truckers didn't do this. The convoy protesters didn't do this. It was self-inflicted. Arrive can. Federal uh, Ministry of Transport did this. All right, we'll take a quick time out, Tom. And when we come back, uh, let's talk about Canada's debt costs piling up. This is rather gruesome. We'll get to that right after these. Right on The Richard Serrett Show. Stay with us. You're listening to The Richard Serrett Show on Newstalk Saga, 960 AM. Welcome back. We are in a bind here. We have inflation at 40-year highs. And one of the few weapons in our arsenal to fight inflation is to tighten the money supply. That means the Bank of Canada increasing the, uh, the lending rate. The only problem with that is if they raise it too high, 
and for too long, that increases the debt charge, the interest charge on our national debt, which is uh, now getting ready to double. That's going to, uh, well, to give you an idea, the federal debt charges now have surpassed what we spend yearly on national defense. Unbelievable. Tom Korski stays with us, managing editor at Blacklock's Reporter. All right, Tom, how bad is it? Oh, it's bad. Uh, the government of Canada is the biggest debtor in town. No one owes more money to more people than the government of Canada. So when the interest rates go up, as they have five times so far this year, and they will do so again October 26th, the Bank of Canada says so, you will pay and pay and pay the interest on those bonds. So we are now up to a third. Debt service charges on the federal debt have increased a third this year. We're over $30 billion a year. Budget office says yesterday, they confirmed these figures. The budget office says this is going to go to about $50 billion within about four years. It was $20 billion last year. Wow. That's not money that's going to diabetes pumps or hot school lunch programs. That's not going to war widows, health, education, or welfare. That's a dead cost. That is dead overhead on money that has already been spent. The kids will be paying the interest on those bonds. $50 billion a year in the next few years, just out the window. Uh, and yet the government says we don't have enough money for veterans. We don't have we have lots of money to send to Ukraine, apparently 50 billion and no sign of uh, I mean, here's the here's the bind. Uh, if they if they uh, lower the rates, they're not going to be able to control inflation. I mean, that's the one crude weapon they have to fight inflation. Now we're I mean, what do we do? We, we're in a we're in a death spiral at this point. It's it, absolutely, it's Hobson's choice. And you, when you even look at the federal tables, you say, well, Parliament last balanced a budget in 2007. That's getting to be a long time now. And by the Department of Finance's own estimates and tables, they say it'll be 20 years, minimum 20 years of deficits before you'll ever see a balance again, 2027, on their best day. That's a long time. Well, the last time we went through that, and uh, those uh, people long in the tooth may recall Paul Martin's famous 1995 federal budget. What did he do? Fired 45,000 federal employees, privatized Canadian National Railways, closed 76 federal agencies, cut foreign aid by a fifth. It was dark. And anyone remembers that grandma waited a year and a half for a hip operation once Martin was done. That's what it means when you borrow and borrow and borrow it means higher taxes and less service. You will pay more for less. That's the deal. Except uh, the federal government just raised the debt uh, ceiling to what? One, uh, almost $2 trillion? $1.8 trillion. They raised it 56%. One of the quietest votes you ever saw in the last parliament. That's exactly right. So <laughs> when does the when does the, uh, the cutting begin? The... the Budget officer Yves Giroux testified on this, actually, in the Senate National Finance Committee and said, I don't find the cabinet's deficit reduction plans credible. His words, because exactly that. When does the cutting begin? When do you start to spend less because you must meet those debt payments? Guess what the number one charge is every 
fiscal year for the government of Canada. It's the interest on those bonds. Everyone else is going to have to wait. The widows, the orphans, the sick, and the poor. First, we pay the interest. You would think that the cabinet would have a mania for, for budget cutting. Not even close. Not interested. Uh, so the interest charges on the debt, just the interest charges, that that's money out the window, $50 billion. What was the timeline on that? Did you say like within the next four years? That's four years. We're, last year was $21 billion. This year, $31 billion. Then it goes to $47.5 billion. Absolutely. As I said, this is a death spiral. I mean, how is it too? I mean, how do we get out from under this disaster? Uh, it, there's 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 only one way. There's only one way. Well, you will pay more for less, but government's going to have to get a lot smaller. There's no choice. <laughs> this is, you know, it was always comical. And I say that not in a funny, but in a dark way, in a despairing way, Richard, I, I, I get your vibe when. Finance Minister Freeland used to talk about these hocus-pocus measurements about debt to GDP and how, well, you, you think we're bad, you should compare us to Ireland. Who cares? We live here, and these are the charges that people will face. And so when you wonder, when you do your T1 general return and you see you're paying 48, 49, 52%, that's why. Because they spent and borrowed half a trillion dollars after the pandemic. Here's the thing. We've seen this coming for like the last 10, 15 years, right? We say, you know, the day of reckoning is coming. It's coming. It's coming. Well, now it's finally here. It's upon us. We're in big, big trouble. Tom Korski, managing editor, Blacklocks reporter. Please support independent media, blacklocks.ca. Tom, thank you so much. Thank you, Richard. All right. When we come back, the sofa cinephile will take a look at the 1985 horror pick Fright Night. Stay with us. Back to the conversation on The Richard Serrett Show. News Talk, Saga, 960 AM. The Sofa Cinephile on The Richard Serrett Show. What would you do if you accidentally discovered the house next door was occupied by something not human? Something horrifying. Something unspeakably evil. No one believes you. Mom, I didn't have a nightmare. Not your mom. They did kill a girl over there. Not your girlfriend. Charlie, is this some sort of a trick to get me back? Not even the police. Look, I know it's crazy. I know that, but look, Lieutenant! It knows that you know. You'll do anything to protect yourself. But it will do anything to protect its secret. Fright Night. If you love being scared, this could be the night of your life. Fright Night. Coming to your neighborhood this summer. Oh, there you go. 1985 Fright Night, written and directed by Tom Holland, his uh, directorial debut. And uh, here to discuss Christopher Garitano, the co-creator, executive producer, co-host of the History Channel's The Dark Files. And uh, he's currently shooting several new TV programs and his first horror movie. And uh, also the host of the wildly popular Off to the Witch podcast. Hey, Chris, how are you? 
I'm doing well. Happy October. Hey, we're rolling into Halloween, and so every week uh, from now into Halloween, we'll uh, take a look at another horror film. This is a good one, 1985. It's been years since I've seen it. Um, So I mentioned Tom Holland, writer-director. Quite an impressive uh, directorial debut, wouldn't you say? Definitely. It seems like the perfect storm. You know, he went on to direct uh, Child's Play after that and then an adaptation of Stephen King's Thinner and never repeated the perfection that this movie is, in my opinion. All right. So we've got uh, Chris Sarandon, who plays this vampire living next door to uh, William Ragsdale, the character played by William Ragsdale, uh, also featuring the great Roddy McDowell. Uh, Amanda Bierce plays the girlfriend. We know Amanda Bierce. She would later go on to co-star in uh, Married with Children. Um, What else can we say about the cast, Chris? So, okay, so the cast, uh, we mentioned Chris Sarandon, Roddy McDowell. Originally, Holland wanted Vincent Price in the role of Peter Vincent. And that was a combination of Peter Cushing and Vincent Price. And Price couldn't do it. He was ailing at the time. I'm I'm glad they got Roddy McDowell. It's just the perfect storm. You know, it's a riff on Hammer horror films, Universal horror films, even uh, Hitchcock's Rear Window. Uh, oh, yes, yes. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah, so McDowell playing kind of the Van Helsing character, Van Helsing character. He is, but okay, so everything's kind of a modern day goof on it because he's not a Van Helsing until midway through the film or towards the last act. He's just a guy playing a Van Helsing type on TV. He's a midnight horror movie host, and the name of the show is Fright Night. Oh, that's right. I'd forgotten that part. Yeah, he yeah. was. Yeah, he was just playing the role. He was a skeptic, so I guess Ragsdale had to uh, the, had to convince him that this was actually real. It was going on. He had a vampire next door. Sure, he becomes Peter Vincent by the last act, and that's what's so amazing about it. It all becomes real. You know that line from Chris Sarandon, who plays Jerry Dandridge, the head vampire. It's like, "Welcome to Fright Night for real." <laughs> oh, yeah, it's a, it's a it's a wonderful. The makeup is is uh, sensational too. Yeah, that was Steve Johnson. You know, he did, did so many fantastic movies, but um, you know, this is the this was the time of the great makeup artists. We knew their names. You know, there were teams, of course. Some people were in the shadows, but um, you know, the visual effects was the same artist who worked on uh, Ghostbusters. Uh, it was just like uh, oh, uh, the composer was also the guy who did the score for Brad Fidel, who did the score for the Terminator. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. And T2. Uh, it, it was, uh, th- there was a remake, uh, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago. Uh, how did that compare? <laughs> okay, so I'm going to give you an analogy. Imagine the perfect cup of coffee and someone comes over with half a glass of water and pours it into it. Ooh, that bad. That's exactly what it is to me. Doesn't oh. hold a candle to the original. So let's stick with the original 1985 version of Fright Night. Uh, is it has it just been recently re-released or on? A- yes, just okay. this week. I was anticipating this. That 4K disc, absolute perfection. It looks so beautiful. Some of these 4K releases don't look that much better or there's too much contrast. You can see the difference. It also comes with a standard Blu-ray as well that was mastered and just a ton of extras, making of documentaries, commentaries, everything you could possibly think of. Oh, wow. All right. Fright Night. What are we going to do next week as an encore? Any thoughts? I was thinking about David Lynch's Lost Highway just released by Criterion. That's a creepy movie, no? Uh, Yeah. Was that Robert Blake? Yes. Wow. Yeah. That was like one of the last films he made. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Robert Blake. I'm excited. 
right. <laughs> Me too. Chris Garitano, how do we listen to Off to the Witch? Go wherever you find your podcasts and search Off to the Witch. Give us a listen. There's a variety, everything from classic comic book artists to the grandson of the creator of the satanic Bible. So every, everything you could think of, ghost stories, Bigfoot stories, you know, things we love. Fantastic. Chris, great job as always. You have a great weekend. We'll talk next week and we'll talk uh, Lost Highway with Robert Blake. Thank you so much. All right. First we filled your mind. Now, let's twist it. This is <laughs> The Limb Riddler. Well, it's Friday, that time of the day when we welcome in that devilish wordsmith, The Limb Riddler. Hey, Limb Riddler, how are you, buddy? I'm doing great, Richard. How about you? Oh, fantastic. Ready to roll into the weekend. Excellent. So, this is an interesting one. It's titled Royals of Rome. Yeah, well, and the reason for that is I happen to be uh, talking to you from Tuscany on a little bit of an Italian trip here. Nice. Um, the rules, of course, to this are the same as all the others. There'll be four clues. Uh, each of them describes something a little bit different because the word you're trying to solve for has, uh, has different meanings. I should mention that the best way to solve these, of course, is to go to the website and read along with me. Just go to the uh, the homepage at limriddles.com. But I should also note that this week's has a bit of a knowledge test in addition to just solving the word of the limriddle for people who want a little extra challenge. Right. And uh, don't forget, we've got a pair of tickets in the offing for the uh, next home game for the Mississauga Steelheads of the OHL. So send your awesome. one word answer to info at limriddles.com. Be sure to put 960 in the subject line. That way we know you heard it right here on the radio. And while you're at limriddles.com, be sure to subscribe. That way you get the Limriddle delivered right to your email inbox every Friday at this time. And it's always easier to read them and solve than it is to listen to it on the radio. Okay, and Royals of Rome goes like this. These royals of Rome amassed opulent worth. They drank of clamato from ocean and earth. Raw eggs and romaine did their salads contain. The kaisers and czars were their Slavic rebirth. Oh, that's great. Let's have it one more time, Lim Riddler. Okay, royals of Rome. These royals of Rome amassed opulent worth. They drank of clamato from ocean and earth. Raw eggs and romaine did their salads contain. The Kaisers and Czars were their Slavic rebirth. Fantastic. All right. Well, you enjoy beautiful Tuscany, Lim Riddler, and uh, we'll talk again next week. Terrific. Thanks, Richard. Bye for now. Bye for now. All right. Be sure to be listening just before the news at 6 when I reveal the answer to this week's Lim Riddle and announce the names of the winners, including one lucky winner who will walk away with a pair of tickets to see the next home game for the Mississauga Steelheads at the Paramount Fine Food Center. <laughs> Solve this puzzle. The Lim Riddler. Every Friday at 4.50 on The Richard Serrett Show on Saga 9.60 a.m. That's all right. I jumped the gun a little bit. I'm, just, I'm so excited about the Steelheads returning for another season. And if you want to get tickets, if you don't win tickets on the Lim Riddler, you want to buy them, you can uh, contact the Paramount Fine Food Center box office at 905-502-7788. And again, be listening just before the news at 6. I'll announce the name of a winner, uh, and they'll walk away with a pair of tickets to the Sunday, October 16th home game, Mississauga, facing off against Sarnia at 2 p.m. All right, hour two awaits. Stay with us.
The views expressed in the following program are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the views of Saga 960 AM or its management. Seeking truth and justice in a battleground of deception and corruption, this is The Richard Serrett Show. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell, I'm as bad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! We must not allow ourselves to be intimidated. Our task is not only to win the battle, but to win the war. Feeling we're not in Kansas anymore. Take a look at this country through her eyes if you really want to see something. You'll see the whole parade of what man's carved out for himself after centuries of fighting. And welcome to Hour 2 of a little uh, chat show we call The Richard Serrett Show. TheRichardSerrettShow.com. Check it out. Brand new website. Well, a couple months old. TheRichardSerrettShow.com. We're going to have a little bit of fun towards the tail end of the program. Uh, Paul Kenny is the host of a brand new show here on Saga 960, Mondays at 3 p.m. Paul Kenny, host of Consignment Heroes. Uh, will join us and previously you may remember Paul from Storage Wars Canada I love that show I love that show and uh, if you don't know about uh, you know consignment shops so if you have like a lot of stuff hanging around your house and uh, you know don't let me give you a little tip you know you find a shoebox of baseball cards under your bed Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African-Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions, and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval, and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African-Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy. Curiosity Stream is the streaming service for people who want to know more. And now check out Curiosity's new series, Queens of Ancient Egypt. When pharaohs held the throne, their wives held the power. We see her taking precedence over the pharaoh, an absolute mastermind. All hail the queens. This is unprecedented. Watch Queens of Ancient Egypt now on Curiosity Stream with monthly, annual, and bundled plans. Find the one that works for you at curiositystream.com. You, you might want to take that to a consignment shop. I mean, don't take the Honus Rag- Wagner rookie card and put it between the spikes of your uh, kid's bike or the, sp- the spokes of your kid's bike. <laughs> Did you ever do that, Jacob, as a kid? 
you put a hockey card in there or a baseball card to make that sound. You made your bike sound like a motorcycle. You take a clothespin and you would put a, a baseball or a hockey card in between the spokes of your bike. You kids, you missed out on all the fun. Anyway, <laughs> he's shaking his head, rolling his eyes. That's the same reaction I get here at home. That's all right. Uh, but anyway, consignment shops are great. And um, Paul Kenny, again, the host of Consignment Heroes. So you call in to the show and you say, hey, I found a, Ho- a Honus Wagner rookie card. And he'll tell you maybe how much it's worth. Fantastic. Fantastic idea for a show. 528. We'll uh, check in with... Uh, Brad Skistimus, a.k.a. Five Times August. He's a terrific singer-songwriter from uh, Dallas, Texas. And he's kind of bringing back the protest song, very much in the Robert Zimmerman or Bob Dylan um, vein. And he's just released his first, I believe it's his first uh, album. It's called The Silent War. And we've had Brad on many times when he's debuted uh, new singles, and he's finally put them all together and releasing an album Greg Carrasco, host of the Greg Carrasco Show, heard here on Saga 960 Saturday mornings at 8 a.m. We'll be here for our There's Something Happening Here segment. We always have a lot of fun with Greg, and I never know until the very last moment what we're going to talk about, and I like it that way. All right. Day two of the Emergencies Act inquiry. And, uh, you know, we've heard a lot of BS earlier on about the damage to the economy that the uh, the convoy protest was causing uh, up in Ottawa. Earlier, I spoke to Tom Korski at Blacklocks about the inflated numbers that Christia Freeland was throwing around. She said $390 million a day caused by the closure or the blockade at the uh, Ambassador Bridge. That was just a ridiculous exaggeration. It was not even a tenth of that, by all accounts. Nowhere near compared to the the damage to the economy caused by the Arrive Can app. Talk to the mayors of all of these border towns. It's in the billions. Anyway, now we're hearing that uh, Ottawa business owners are admitting that they chose to close down during the Freedom Convoy. They chose voluntarily to close down. It had nothing to do with the uh, the protesters forcing them to close. In fact, those that remained open Made a lot of hay. Rachel Emanuel is an author at The Counter Signal, and she's here with that story. Hey, Rachel, how are you? Hey, Richard, I'm doing well. Good to be back. Uh, So day two of the inquiry, and uh, I guess this information came out under cross-examination. Some representatives of a couple of Ottawa area business associations. What did they say? Exactly. So we heard from two witnesses from the Ottawa Business Improvement Area today, uh, Representatives Kevin McHale and Natalie Carrier. And during some questioning, I actually think it was friendly questioning initially from a lawyer. Um, You know, she was sort of leading the witnesses into the question, if you were to put it into legal terms. She goes, you indicated that previously businesses have never been required to close during the protest. And then she sort of was speaking about how large this protest was and, and the volatility of it. And then one of the witnesses, Mikhail, he goes, that's correct. And then she says, and at this time they did close because this protest was very different from all previous ones. So you'll notice it's a little interesting there. She says they did close. She doesn't specify if they were required to close. She simply says they did close. And then Mikhail, actually, the witness sort of clarifies her statement. And he says many chose to close based upon what information or lack of information was provided to them. So I don't know if he meant to sort of give that revelation or if it was a little bit of a gaffe on his part, but certainly a big omission that we heard today. (laughs) 
<laughs> they didn't rehearse very well, did they? Uh, so they, th- this McHale individual, a representative of one of the business improvement areas in Ottawa, admitted, first of all, it sounds like they, the businesses maybe were a little confused. But they, weren't, they weren't sure what the information was in terms of what, whether they should close or not. But, but some chose. That's the operative word there. They chose to close. And why did they choose to close? Sure. And, you know, I would say it doesn't sound like there was any confusion about whether or not they were required to close. It sounds like they were all very aware that they were able to stay open. But it sounds like the confusion came is that Ottawa health officials told businesses that they were going to have to manage customers who came in without masks. Now, I don't know if you spent any time in Ottawa during the Freedom Convoy. I was there. I covered it at the time. None of the protesters were wearing masks. They were walking around freely from, you know, stores without masks. And I think that was actually one of the reasons why they ended up closing the Rideau Mall for pretty much the entire period that the protesters were there. So because businesses thought that they were going to maybe be fined for having their business open and for having customers coming in without masks and not being able to enforce usage of masks, they just made the decision to close on themselves rather than be in this position where they would have to sort of police the masking. Ah, okay. So because... Yeah, if there were a number of people coming, were, well, uh, begs the question though: were were any businesses fined because of uh, maskless customers? No, not a single business was fined for for not having maskless customers. That's what he said, anyways. Mikhail said he isn't aware of any businesses that were fined. He was representing the Sparks Street area specifically, which is basically one street away from Parliament Hill. It's a street you can't drive on; it's a walking only street. Tons of auto businesses there. But I think the interesting thing is that even if you were to consider about how much a fine would have been, probably ranging anywhere from sixty to seventy to maybe two hundred and fifty dollars, if you think about how much money these businesses lost for being closed during that period and how much money they would have earned if they stayed open, they would easily have been able to pay for a couple of fines should they have received them. And I mean, this is something I'm sure these businesses wouldn't have thought about, but understanding what we do about the convoy and, you know, if people had been responsible for fines, I just um, can't imagine that they would have, you know, chipped in and helped a business pay for the fines. Certainly across Canada, we saw a lot of people helping out when businesses were fined for staying open. Right. That wouldn't surprise me, again, uh, if the protesters helped out with these fines. I mean, they were clearing their sidewalks of ice and snow for them, for crying out loud. I'm sure they would have gone that extra mile. They would have done anything to help the businesses. Um, So for those that stayed open, uh, how did they do? With all this increased in foot traffic. For sure. Yeah. So I don't have any exact numbers for you, but the other witness was asked about that. Carrier was asked about that later on by, I would say, a more hostile witness. This was definitely one of the convoy lawyers. So he was, you know, doing some questioning of the witnesses and he said, businesses chose to remain open and did quite well revenue wise due to the increased foot traffic. Is that correct? And Carrier, the BIA representative said, some did quite well, I think. Yes. And then it it was so funny because her colleague kind of looks at her and like shakes his head and she quickly starts studying over herself and she's like, oh, oh, I don't know. I don't know for sure. I'm not the best person to answer that question. So another case perhaps of maybe not quite enough preparation. How damaging do you think this is going to be? Because again, this is another major uh, pillar in their justification uh, for the Emergencies Act that, you know, it was it was very damaging to Ottawa area businesses. It sounds like that that complete uh, narrative is just completely crumbled. Sure. You know, I hope it is very damaging. As I mentioned, I was in Ottawa at the time of the Freedom Convoy. Businesses that did stay open, they did very well for themselves. They were so happy to have the business because as you 
probably remember they had been forced to be locked down and to be shut down for all that time. So I would hope it would be damaging. But, you know, we've also heard some other claims from Ottawa residents today that were pretty inflammatory. So, you know, in terms of how the actual inquiry decides to go and what the commission decides is one thing. But in terms of how this will actually change, you know, public perception of the Freedom Convoy, I don't think it will. I think people are going to pick and choose what they want to hear out of the Freedom Convoy and, you know, sort of dig their heels in on their already pre-existing notions about what it meant. Right. I guess, the, well, the important thing is is the uh, perception of uh, Justice Paul Rouleau and, and, and um, how he feels about it after all of the testimony wraps up. We'll uh, take a quick time out and uh, come back. Rachel Emanuel, author at The Counter Signal, covering day two of the Emergency Act Inquiry. Back with more in a moment. Stay with us. Welcome back to The Richard Serrett Show on News Talk, Saga 960 AM. Rachel Emanuel, author at The Counter Signal, is with us. Please support independent media, thecountersignal.com, thecountersignal.com. And uh, she was covering day two of the Emergency Act inquiry. Uh, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about the uh, the testimony of this um, uh, woman. Is, I, th- I think her name is pronounced Zexy. Is it Zexy Lee, the uh, federal bureaucrat up in Ottawa? Um, I'm not sure. I'm going to just say that you're right and we'll go with that. I don't okay. remember. All right. Well, Ms. Lee will say, um, so uh, she, she compared Ottawa to living through that movie, The Purge. I'm not familiar with that movie. What's that all about? What was she talking about? Yeah, that was pr- a pretty radical, a pretty radical comparison. I have to be honest, definitely making some headlines. Um, essentially it's like an American horror film. Um, and, there's one day of the year, I hope I'm remembering the proper movie. There's one day of the year where it's sort of like a free for all and you can kill anyone and you can't be charged for a murder. So um, uh, that's a rather extreme comparison. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I wasn't even really, th- I didn't even really think about what the movie was before, but now that I'm thinking about it, I'm like, yeah, that is pretty radical. Right. Uh, and then in a response to questioning from a lawyer, this uh, federal bureaucrat ad- uh, acknowledged that, she was kind of rude to some protesters. What did she tell them to go yeah. uh, go back to where the F you came from, I think is the quote. Sure. I'm actually just going to clarify. I was looking it up. It's not for a full 24 hour period in the movie. You could you could do any crime you wanted in a 12 hour period. So ah, maybe not okay. quite as radical, but still pretty bad. Yeah. So in her questioning today, um, they were basically said, did you ever tell protesters to go back to where the F you are from? And she said, I might have said that, but I think it's almost for sure that she did say that because the lawyer who was questioning her said they had a recording of that. Wow. I mean, who's who's vetting their witnesses? These witnesses that are coming forward, uh, supposedly, you know, to to prop up the uh, the Emergency Act invocation on the federal government. Uh, really kind of dropping the bag or fumbling the bag, as my kids would say. <laughs> Yeah, certainly like a lot of lack of preparation. And I think for the people that have taken the most vocal stance against the convoy, people like Miss Lee, as we mentioned, you know, they have had actions that were very volatile during the convoy as well, like yelling at protesters. We saw a couple of videos of that happening throughout the convoy. So it's probably a bit difficult to find someone with a bit of a clean record at this point, just because people were saying such radical things about the protesters, especially online. Like if you remember the arson claims, things like that. So they probably have a hard time finding witnesses who haven't said something totally outrageous and that's already been proven false about the convoy at this point uh downtown ottawa resident victoria de la ronde um tell me about her testimony she said she experienced phantom honking 
Yeah. So she said she experienced phantom honking after the convoy less, which essentially means you can continue to hear honking even after it's not happening. Um, and she said she had some long term health effects, which include a loss of hearing, a loss of balance, vertigo triggered by the sound of any horn, also triggered by the sound of certain music due to the loud music during the convoy. And she also said that she has a physical trigger when she smells gas, both her throat and lungs start to feel infected. Wow. Uh, I mean, was that backed up with any medical documentation or was that just kind of hearsay? It was just kind of hearsay. And I think it's one of those things that I was mentioning before, you know, people that didn't like the convoy, they're going to hear this and think, oh, that is just so horrible that they did this to this elderly lady. And people who, you know, were in favor of the convoy are like, yeah, I don't know about this. Uh, Ottawa City Councillor Matthew Fleury um, talking about microaggressions. Tell me about his testimony. Yeah, he had some pretty crazy things to say. He sounded a bit a little bit nuts during his testimony today. He said the trucks in Ottawa during the Freedom Convoy were weapons. He actually referred to them as weapons. And he said the convoy resulted in a number of microaggressions, though he didn't specify what that meant. You couldn't live, you couldn't live in that space. He said it was nonstop noise, nonstop pollution. Uh, were you able to get kind of a read on how uh, Justice, the Honorable Paul Rouleau, was kind of reacting to this testimony. I guess, I mean, he's not going to telegraph his his feelings, but was there any kind of interesting body language or facial expressions as he's listening to this testimony? I mean, respect to him for not cracking up during some of it. I think that would have been very difficult to do. Some of the things that were said were absolutely preposterous. But, you know, he's maintained his professionalism so far. This obviously isn't his first rodeo. So maybe a little later on throughout the testimony, we'll get a better sense of where he's feeling about things and how this is going to end up. Did anyone break out in laughter during this testimony? Uh, No one that I saw, but I kind of am dipping in and out between covering the hearings and covering Alberta news as well. So it's been a busy time. Right. Um, What's up tomorrow coming up on the uh, the inquiry? Any any anything that you're going to be particularly focused on or interested to hear? I think at this point, the uh, testimonies I'm most excited for are obviously from Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, who will finally have to answer for invoking the Emergencies Act. But even potentially more exciting than Trudeau, I'm excited to hear from Public Safety Minister Marco Mendicino because he has made by far the most ludicrous claims about the convoy so far. You might remember he said that police, Ottawa police, asked for the Emergencies Act to be invoked to deal with the protesters. Of course, we now know that the Ottawa police did not ask for the act to be invoked. As well, he also said at one point that the protesters in Ottawa were associated with the Coots border blockade protesters where guns were found and that they had ties to a, the Coots border blockade protesters had ties to a far right group in Ottawa that were, you know, protesting with the freedom convoy. And then he had to walk back those claims, you know, within minutes of making them after he was sort of pressured to give evidence and stuff. So there's a lot more exciting testimony to come. I think we're just getting in to the mix of it now, but I think there's going to be, you know, better days and more exciting days to come for sure. Right. It sounds like today we got the comic relief out of the way. Uh, All right. Great job. Thank you so much, Rachel. Yeah, thank you very much. Talk to you soon. Rachel Emanuel, author at The Counter Signal, thecountersignal.com. All right. When we come back, uh, let's see. We have uh, our good friend Brad Skistimus, a.k.a. Five Times August. He's kind of the the new Bob Dylan. I know you hear that a lot, but he really is the the, the real deal. And uh, just released his debut album, The Silent War. We'll hear a little bit about that when we come back. Stay with us. The Bull Session continues on The Richard Serrett Show. News Talk, Saga 960 AM. One, two, 
off, get in line, just behave or pay the fine. They're pulling on your backbone and taking out your spine. They want you weak, don't speak, don't question, don't think. Keep staring at your smartphone, get dumber every week. Now give up your freedom and shush. Oh Jesus, what happened to us? Church, kill your faith, judge the skin and learn to hate. Make yourself the enemy, but call yourself a saint. Learn the rules, be a fool. Remove your kid from school and apologize for everything. Apologize for you. Now give the TV all of your trust. Oh, Jesus, what happened to us? Oh, there you go. Jesus, what happened to us? And that's just uh, one single from a uh, the brand new LP album from Brad Skistimus, a.k.a. Five Times August. And uh, we're hoping he uh, calls in. We had a little, uh, we crossed our wires here, but we're trying to get him on shortly. And uh, for those of you who don't know, Brad is um, a very talented singer, songwriter, uh, guitarist from... Um, Dallas, Texas, and I guess we uh, we had him on last year at some point when he came up with this song, which just immediately struck me, Jesus, What Happened to Us, and that was followed by, every couple of months, another just amazing uh, piece of music, all sort of in that, that protest vein, uh, Bob Dylan and others, and he's one of the few artists out there today, along with maybe Van Morrison and Eric Clapton, who are actually, you know, standing up and speaking out about this. And uh, we're great, uh, great pleasure to have Brad Skistimus back with us five times August. How are you, Brad? Great, uh, great to have you on with us again. Hey, Richard. Good to, good to be back. And congratulations. So let's get the details. This is, uh, this is your debut album, correct? Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African-Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions, and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval, and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African-Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy. CuriosityStream is the streaming service for people who want to know more. And now check out Curiosity's new series, The Real Wild West. Rolling Stone magazine says it's the history of the West they usually don't teach you. The mythology of the West left out a lot of the people. People said they'd never seen a black cowboy. This is the history book, but did you know about these other facts? Watch The Real Wild West now on CuriosityStream. With monthly, annual, and bundled plans, find the one that works for you at CuriosityStream.com. 
Well, it's it's my debut album of these songs. I've been uh, releasing music as five times August since going all the way back to 2001, actually. And um, I had a few full band albums um, over the years, um, but uh, I actually haven't released a full album since about 2009. I've released digital singles and EPs, but this one, um, you know, I've sort of written an album in real time with this collection of songs over the last year and a half. And it was time to sort of put them together to sort of document what I've been doing and what's been happening in the world. So I'm excited to get them, get them together into one spot. Okay. Now uh, it's coming out November the 4th. So it's available for pre-order. Just kind of give us all of the details, how we can get a, uh, I think it's, is it the LPs released on white vinyl? Yeah, so we're doing a uh, a crowdfunding campaign for the white vinyl. This is the first time I've released something on vinyl, which I'm really excited about. But we have to pre-sell 200 copies. We're partnering with a company called Crates. It's Q-R-A-T-E-S.com. Crates.com. And you can, you can find that link on 5timesaugust.com. So we have to pre-sell 200 of those, and then it'll go into production and uh, as for the CDs, they're available on the website, and, and I'll be mailing those out directly um, from my place. So there's the CD and there's the vinyl. Uh, the, I'm trying to make the packaging as, as cool as possible. We've got the lyrics. The CD has a 24-page booklet in it, full color. I want to give people something to look at while they listen, kind of like the old days of having a record. I made the album cover pretty detailed, so you can sort of just sit and look at it. And it's kind of meant for the 12-inch format. And so um, if we can fund this record, it'll be really cool. It'll be a gatefold record. It'll be limited edition, numbered, um, have all the lyrics with it. So it'll be a cool thing. Uh, and some of the tracks on Silent War, uh, Jesus, What Happened to Us, which we just heard, one of my favorites, God Help Us All, uh, Out of Your Damn Mind, I Will Not Be Leaving Quietly, Silent War, of course, the title track, uh, Joe, your little tribute to Joe Biden, Sad Little Man, your tribute to uh, Fauci, uh, Anti-Fascist Blues, This Just In, which is, well, tell us about This Just In. <laughs> that one was uh, my tribute to one Justin Trudeau after the uh, trucking convoy uh, happened and uh, sort of my little nod in, in support for everybody who was out there uh, protesting at that time. Uh, fight for you, Gates Behind the Bars and Lions. So t- 12 tracks in all on the Silent War uh, LP. Do I have that right? 12? Yep, that's correct. All, all of the songs have, uh, well, the first 10 there have been released. The last two um, are, are brand new to this collection. I wanted to sort of finish up the last two and then I'll make videos for them um, coming up here soon. But uh, Gates Behind the Bars is a little tribute to <laughs> to uh, Bill Gates. And Lions is just a tribute to everybody who stood up during this time and spoke out. So I'm excited to add them to this roster of of tracks of these songs. All right. The LP is Silent War, released on white vinyl, available for pre-order. And again, it's uh, 5timesaugust.com, 5timesaugust.com. And uh, let's really get behind uh, Brad at 5timesaugust and uh, and support him. This is a, you're just a fantastic musician, and I'm so proud of you. And uh, congratulations, Brad. Great job. Thanks so much, Richard. I appreciate it. All right. Five times August dot com. Five times August dot com. Silent War. The LP. 
uh, with a gatefold. Great, great album cover available on white vinyl pre-orders now. FiveTimesAugust.com. All right, when we come back, the great Greg Carrasco. There's something happening here. Coming next. Stay with us. Just having a little chin wag on the Richard Serrett Show. News Talk, Saga, 960 AM. Something's happening here. All right. We are uh, awaiting the arrival of the great Greg Carrasco, host of the Greg Carrasco Show, heard Saturday mornings, 8 to 11, here on News Talk Saga 960. Really required listening. Such a fine broadcaster. And um, I kind of blame Greg for getting a, a late start on my mornings. Usually I'm up and pretty busy on the weekend. Uh, but I can't. I can't get out of bed because I'm listening to him. But he's not here. And that makes me sad. However, um, in his absence, hopefully everything is okay with Greg Carrasco. Very busy man. Very, very busy man. Uh What's that martial art he's into? Brazilian jiu-jitsu? Is that what it's called? I think that's what it's called. Brazilian jiu-jitsu. And uh, it took me a while to figure this out because I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed. But he would say, you know, that's uh, there's one certain day of the week where he folds laundry. And I thought, oh, he must really enjoy the laundry. Well, what he means is he folds laundry with people still in them. (laughs) He's still wearing the clothes. That's jiu-jitsu. You gave me the thumbs up, uh, Jacob. Does that mean that uh, Greg is here? No. Okay. That's all right. We'll catch him next time, probably. Why don't you jump on the mic, uh, Jacob? Because I want to hear the latest exploits of your beer league. Because I live kind of vicariously through you. I would love to have the time to join a beer league. One of these days, perhaps. Uh, But Jacob is a... um, Not only does he talk about hockey, but he's also a, uh, a player. So just a week, well, a weekly beer league. How, how would he play? Like, um, is it once a week or do you just play on the weekend? He's getting his mic set up. I kind of threw him a curveball. He was not expecting this, but I'm throwing him this live radio, ladies and gentlemen. All right. So, Jacob, the uh, the beer league, what do you play? Weekly? Twice a yeah, week? We play every Thursdays. Every Thursday. All right. And wh- which arena? Uh, we So we play at York University. So kind of in your area-ish. All right. Right. Keel and uh, Shepherd area. OK. Yeah. Does the beer league team have a name? Yeah, it's called the shop. I don't exactly get it. It's a joke between a bunch of the guys on the team. I don't fully know what it means, but All right. I just went along with it. And what position do you play? Uh, I kind of play a bit of everything. So growing up, I was mostly a forward, but I was actually better at defense. So I started off playing. The problem is I just I hate playing defense so much. Like, I can't stand it. I always feel like I'm so out of the game. So uh, I try to you play fashion forward. yourself after William Nylander. Because he sure. except I don't have I don't nearly have <laughs> problems. I enjoy playing defense as a forward. Like, I love penalty killing and I love, you know, playing good in the defensive end because I don't right. have a lot of I don't have a ton of skill, but just playing on the back as a defender. I hate it. Can't stand it. All right. And uh, you were kind of pleased with yourself. Uh, You were telling me before the show started, you scored. You said, I'm a sniper. You scored a goal the other night, yesterday. Yeah, not quite. Not quite a sniper. More so uh, happened to crash the net and the puck happened to fall right on my stick. and I put it into an empty net. But hey, you take it. You take it either way. Exactly. I love the encouragement from Declan hyping me up. 
<laughs> so you crashed into the net. So you kind of, you actually take that back. You're not William Nylander. You're more of a Wayne Simmons. Yeah, except I'm not in the, I'm not in the AHL. I, I'm, I'm in the big leagues. You're in the big league, the beer league. Yes, right. yes. The, the beer league, big leagues. All right. Well, we are getting ready here at the, uh, the Serrett household, getting ready to uh, put our rink together again. And I think I mentioned to you, I'm expanding the rink. Last year, we did 25 by 50. And uh, we're going to push it into the uh, vegetable garden. And I ripped out some hedges so I could extend it by 10 feet. And we're going to go wider. It's, it's not a regulation rink by any means. We're going 35 wide by 60 feet. And um, we'll be putting that up over the next couple of weeks before the snow flies. And then we order the big, uh, big water truck, you know, that normally fills your, your swimming pool. And uh, then we'll just wait for freezing weather. And, of course, you come over and uh, strap on your, your blades as long, uh, along with uh, Declan. And we'll maybe play a little 2v2 or 3v3 on the ice. Yeah, I'm excited. I never got out last year, but it sounds like it's going to be bigger and better than ever this year. So can't wait. And, and mostly I can't wait to see you on, 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 the, on the ice. I heard you're a pretty, pretty good player out there. Uh, yeah. Who would I fashion myself? I'm more of, maybe I'm kind of a Bob Gainey meets, uh, Brian Glennie. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that means nothing to you. No, I know Bob Gainey. I don't know who Glennie. I know Bob Gainey though. Brian Glennie. Yeah. He was a, uh, a very physical defenseman with the, uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs back in the, uh, the day, back in the early seventies. So watch out. Don't go into the I, I, with your head down. Yeah, I hope you're not you. playing on planning on laying the body out in shinny. But I, I'm I sharpening my elbows. I'm sharpening my elbows. Getting ready. <laughs> All right. We'll see you over here for some shinny soon, I hope. When we come back, we'll speak with uh, the newest addition to the Mighty Saga 960 lineup, Consignment Heroes host, Paul Kenny. That's next. Stay with us. Let's rejoin the conversation on The Richard Serrett Show on Newstalk Saga 960 AM. All right, Mondays at 3 p.m. right here on Saga 960, Consignment Heroes. And here's the host, and he'll tell us all about it, Paul Kenny. Hey, Paul, welcome aboard, sir. How are you? Glad to be aboard and having a great time. I'm really looking forward to this. It's been a while since I've been on air, and I'm particularly looking forward to helping people and which is what the show is going to be about helping them downsize help them find out what their stuff is worth and just to listening to them and finding out some great stories about great stuff yes um now just i tried in my lame way to explain how a consignment uh store operates uh and then sort of by extension what will go on on the show but you tell me how this works like uh if i i, I use the example of finding a honus wagner rookie card in a shoebox under my bed and i call in and mm-hmm. i describe it to you uh would you be able to tell me give me a rough estimate of the of what it might be worth describing's going to be tough on that one because it'll come down to really finite details honus wagner's a bad example it's worth a lot that's what I'm going to say. But I would have to see that in person because part of my expertise is being able to grade cards and know what the, uh, the approximate value on them. But if you tell me Onus Wagner, I can give you a range between a million and three million. Does that help you? Not it really, does. probably. It does. Sure. <laughs> Nothing to sneeze at. In other words, again, don't place the Honus Wagner rookie card uh, between the spokes of your bike with a clothespin, as we used to do when we were kids. I tried to explain that to Jacob, and he just rolled his eyes. He doesn't understand. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so... Um, you used to, uh, you were the, one of the stars of one of my favorite shows, Storage Wars Canada. 
And um, I mean, how did you how did you get into this uh, business? I mean, you have to you have to have a lot of knowledge. You have to be able to appraise so many different collectibles and so forth. How did you get into it? Well, part of it is I come from an antique family. My mom used to own a place in Laura, and I was uh, I had the first card and comic shop in Canada. This is back in 1979. But uh, antiques goes through my blood. I used to uh, be uh, involved in for the last 45 years. And it come by naturally. It's not what I... Some people, if they don't see the... Um, ah, that's the book. If they don't uh, have a computer in front of them, they don't know what it's worth. I actually do. I don't even use... I use the computer when I'm stumped. But I have a good passing knowledge on many different areas. Generalists. Some areas I'd be considered the expert in Canada, but other things I just have a very good general knowledge, like in gold and silver, things like that. Go ahead. Right. And of course, you have the Toronto Gold, Silver, and Coins shop, right? Yes. But we have, like, consignment's only part of it because we downsize complete estates. And sometimes they can either sell it to us, we can take and give it into consignment, or we can put into auction. Now, the difference is how much you end up in your pocket and how much risk you want to take. Because if you're selling it to us, you know exactly what you're getting that moment. If you're uh, consigning it, it's what it sells for, and I take my possession. On an auction, you just need the right two or the wrong two people at an auction to push up the price is the best way to put it. Paul we offer all of- those services. All right. Paul Kenny, host of Consignment Heroes, and it's uh, Mondays at 3 p.m. right here on Saga 960. What would you say right now is the hottest the hottest collectible going right now? Kind of, st- kind of crazy. Teacups. Teacups? Is one of them. For, I'm, I'm going to say hot that you wouldn't expect it. In that, um, what used to be 2 or $3 uh, five years ago, I've gotten up to $2,500 now. And the people really have to know. And we, we're going to run through on the show about uh, how to tell a good teacup from a bad teacup. They don't end how to go over to their curio cabinet, take a look inside and say, I got a 25 or a $500 or $200 teacup. Um, and it's, it's not that it's the most money, but it's like the surprising thing is what we're selling them for. And I think they're going for high tea, if that means anything. <laughs> it does indeed. It does indeed. Um, I mentioned the Honus Wagner rookie card because I, I, I've, yep. all my life I've collected, uh, you know, baseball cards and hockey cards, and now I got my boys into it. But it's kind of been up and down. I mean, there was a there was a time not just a few years ago when the, like that seemed like the floor fell out of the market. Now it seems to be hot again. Or am I wrong? Yeah, no, no. The market's strong. You know, in February it was stronger before. Okay. Um, during the pandemic, prices moved up astronomically, uh, and now, but it is coming back. Uh, there are two Honus Wagners in, in Toronto, in Canada, Ooh. of, of the cards. That, yeah, yeah, and I know where two of them are. And they might be coming up for auction just for the benefit of charity, if I'm not mistaken. I'm going to be checking on the next couple of days. We'll probably do a show just on that. And, uh. Even the older cards, the Gretzky's just sold for like, well, Mantle sold for um, $12.5 million. Wow. And Gretzky went for a million. And even the, the, the smaller ones, even but it, what it does, it raises all the other ones. Um, I don't know how many sous that sold for a million dollars. Sorry about the, I'm outside trying to avoid the noise in my shop. <laughs> On um, the, um, 
As soon as that comes up and sells, then a lot of other people think they have that million-dollar card, and it has to be perfect. That's where the grading comes in. Right. And we tell people what they can grade. And a perfect card, a guy giving you a million dollars for something, is going to be kind of particular. He's not going to say, okay, whatever you think is okay with me. They're going to want to have a third-party grader on it. But the cards are right now, and comics as well. But they're down a bit from what they were in February, but they're still much more than they were two years ago. That's the best right. way to Well, this is exciting stuff. I love, I love sports cards and comic books and all these collectibles. I'll be listening Mondays, 3 p.m., Consignment Heroes with Paul Kenny. Paul, welcome aboard. Great to have you with us. I hope we'll meet in person soon. And uh, again, I'll be listening. Thank you. Thank you. I'm looking really forward to being there. Okay. All right. Bye-bye. And now, your Limb Riddler answer and this week's winners. All right. Uh, the uh, answer to this week's Limb Riddle, well, let me get it, uh, give it to you first. It's the, the, the uh, clues. The royals of Rome amassed opulent worth. <clears throat> they drank of Clamato from ocean and earth. Raw eggs and romaine did their salads contain. The Kaisers and Tsars were their Slavic rebirth. Anyone? Anyone? The one word answer I'm looking for is Caesar, right? The royals of Rome amassed opulent worth. Julius Caesar was a Roman dictator who died in uh, March of 44 BC. And uh, they drank of Clamato from ocean and earth. Clamato juice is a mixture of tomato juice, clam broth, and various spices. So that's actually false. They didn't drink uh, of Clamato from ocean and earth, but uh, it's the Caesar is still the answer. Raw eggs and romaine did their salads contain. That's generally false, but possibly true. <laughs> Caesar uh, Cardini, a restaurateur, is believed to have originated the Caesar salad in Mexico in 1924. Uh, the Kaisers and Czars were their Slavic rebirth. Mostly true. The words Kaiser, Czar... Uh, are all derived from the Latin word Caesar. So there you go. Caesar is the answer to this week's Limb Riddle. The first five to answer correctly were Duncan Ruxton of Thunder Bay, Tom Dibley of Halliburton, and Tom is the winner of the uh, Steelhead tickets. That's for this coming Sunday at, uh, I believe that's 2 p.m. against Sarnia at the uh, Paramount Fine Food Center. Louise Campbell gets an honorable mention from Buon Convento, Italy. Barb Nelson from Pickering and Rosalind Mitchell from Val Dorcia, Italy. Wow, two people listening in Italy. Congratulations all. Again, uh, Tom Dibley from Halliburton, the winner of the Steelheads tickets. Tom, if you're listening, uh, my producer Declan or someone from the uh, box office will reach out to you to get you those tickets. All right. That's it for me. We're done. My thanks to Jody, Jacob, and Declan, and I'll be back next week to do it all over again, God willing. I'll speak with you on Monday at 4 p.m. Don't be late. Until then, I remain unbowed, unbent, unbroken. That's it. That's all. For more Richard Serrett Show, podcasts, blogs, and other stuff, go to saga960am.ca. Stop talking past each other and start talking with each other. We'll see you Monday afternoon at 4 on The Richard Serrett Show on News Talk, Saga 960am. Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? 
President Biden's administration is making major decisions and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African-Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy. Curiosity Stream is the streaming service for people who want to know more. And now check out Curiosity's new series, The Real Wild West. Rolling Stone magazine says it's the history of the West they usually don't teach you. The mythology of the West left out a lot of the people. People said they'd never seen a black cowboy. This is the history book, but did you know about these other facts? Watch The Real Wild West now on Curiosity Stream. With monthly, annual, and bundled plans, find the one that works for you at curiositystream.com.